Good evening and welcome to our service this evening as we are able to gather here and wherever you may be as Romford Baptist Church gathers to worship God this evening. My name is Vicky, I'm one of the ministers here and I'll be sharing the service with Ian who's coming to share um, what God has laid on his heart for us this evening as we continue our series in Proverbs. God is a great God. I don't know what kind of day you've had, but I am sure, like me, you know that God has been walking with you during it. I wonder if uh, you've been looking out at um, something in your garden or maybe where you've been today and you've just been noticed something tiny that's reminded you of just the love that God has for his creation and all that he has created for us to enjoy, particularly springtime. It's a, it's a great time, isn't it? A great time of year when we see our, our flowers and our trees bursting forth with colour. God is an amazing God. And our first song reminds us that God is the reason that we are here to gather tonight. And actually, his love for us meant that Jesus left heaven to come down to earth to enable us to have that relationship back with him. And so we start our service by singing our first song, Jesus, Hope of the Nation. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly God, we thank you for that reminder that even in darkness, there is always hope because of you. Lord, as we've come out of uh, winter and into spring, we thank you that we have the hope that comes from new growth and new life and that, Lord, as we've been reminded through the song that we have sung, you are the hope of all. Lord, we thank you for giving us that hope that keeps us going when things are difficult. We thank you, are, you are the hope who transformed lives, not only when you walked on earth, but, Lord, too, in today's life too. We thank you for the way you've touched us, for the way you've transformed our lives, for the way that we can come before you and declare you to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we continue our worship, Lord, we pray that we will be able throughout this evening to resound and echo that sense of hope that comes from you. Amen. When I was thinking about our service this evening, I was taken to a few verses from Matthew chapter 12, starting at verse 15. And it says this, and it's just after um, Jesus had been... Uh, trying to uh, reach out and he'd restored um, someone and the Pharisees were plotting how they may kill Jesus. And Jesus, it says in verse 15, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place and a large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. Talk about bringing hope. He definitely brought hope to them, didn't he? Verse 16, he warned them not to tell others about him because this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out until he has brought justice throughout to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. We've started our service singing those words, Jesus, hope of the nations. We're going to sing again 
as we come before the throne of God above and sing our praises to him. We've sung about how Jesus transformed lives. We've sung about Jesus who is the hope of the nations. We've talked about how hope can fill us when we are feeling down. Hope is the reason we can pray because we know that God hears our prayers. And after we've sung our next song, we're going to go into a time of prayers. But before we do that, before we sing, I'm going to just read a few more verses that remind us of the transformative love of God when he's at work. And it's from Luke chapter 4. And it's when he went to Nazareth, where Jesus had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. As we think about the joys and the sorrows in our world, we're reminded that God is bigger than them all. We sing and then we come to prayer. Let us pray. And Father God, as we think about the need of bringing hope to the nations, of seeing lives transformed, of being able to declare you as our sovereign Lord, we bring before you those in our world who need to hear that message of hope. Father God, as we think about all that we do, we pray that, Father God, we may too bring a message of hope. We too may want to study so that we understand what it is that you are saying to us and that, that message you want us to take to others. Father God, you call us to take a message to those to whom we meet day by day to our families and to our friends and to our work colleagues and maybe to the shop assistant that we see and we can just tell them that God loves them. Help us, Lord, to have that courage to spread the message of hope day by day. As I was looking at our prayers, Lord, I thank you for that reminder from Louise and Peter Lynch from those months ago in their prayer letter where they were reminding us that where they're working there are people who are desperate to learn more about you who are wanting to pursue that sense of calling you've placed upon their lives because in Bangladesh where Christianity is a minority and where the religious marketplace is so crowded there is a need for teachers who can engage with questions of truth which is so vital and that is true too for us. Where so many things are pulling on the lives of those that we mix with day by day, help us to be those teachers of truth. To speak out your word into those situations, to be the bringers of hope. To be your word on that time, on that day, in that moment. As we think about the 
reminder from Luke passage that you came to bring freedom for prisoners. Lord, we think about those who suffer the bondage of addiction and fear, of slavery and of injustice. Father God, we pray that, Lord, we can speak your truth into those situations. We can bring hope into those situations. We thank you for those who are already doing that as they meet with those who perhaps are on our streets or in our hostels, who are living a life where it only feels like there is darkness. We pray for them and for ourselves that we can bring hope into dark situations. We thank you again for that reminder by Louise and Pete in their prayer letter some weeks ago that as they had gathered in a village with the local holy man and as they watched people come and gather together, we thank you for that moment where they saw that deeply troubled man shouting and gesticulating and they offered to pray for him. But before they could pray, a local healer had come and insisted on praying first. But there was no change. And so Louise and Peter went and they too prayed. And they laid his, their hands on that deeply troubled man and they asked God to give him peace and restore him. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you touched that person's life. And we thank you for the way that that holy man came and spoke to Peter and Louise and thanked them for coming. And we thank you that they were able to recognise in that village that Peter and Louise at that moment in time had spoken the truth. And we thank you that that village were people who wanted to learn more about you. And Lord, we pray for the courage too, to do as they did, to offer to pray in situations and to ask you to touch and transform lives. Father God, we may be afraid, but Lord, you are mighty. As we think about that passage from Luke again, we think about the fact you came and you brought sight to those who are blind. And Lord, as we think about those in our world who are suffering physically and emotionally and spiritually, Lord God, we pray for those situations too. We pray for the emergency services who so often are the port of call for those who are troubled. We pray for all those we know in our emergency services and our healthcare system and our social care. Father God, may they be strong when at times they feel weak and maybe without the power that they need in themselves. Lord, empower them, we pray. For those, Lord, who we know from our notice sheet or in our own lives, Lord God, come in and touch lives, we pray. For those who are discouraged, Lord, give them hope. For those who are struggling physically and emotionally, Lord, we pray for a healing and a strengthening. 
and a lightening of that load. For the Lord, those who are grieving, comfort them, we pray. Because Lord God, you are a mighty God, a God who can do the impossible when we can only think about what is possible. Lord, you are bigger and greater and you do indeed continue to transform lives today. And Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for our world where power and authority seems to be in the hands of the few. And yet you tell us in your word that you came to set the oppressed free. We thank you that, Lord, as you came into this world, you broke the chains that bound us. Through the death on the cross, you saw victory over all because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Father God, help us to trust you when we are struggling. Help us to trust you when we don't know the way forward because you do know the way forward because you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the God of heaven and of earth. And actually, Lord, even though people and others around us may have power and authority, Lord, it is nothing in comparison to the power and authority that you have. And so, Lord, we pray that in and through all that we do, we can proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, because you are a mighty God. And Lord, we do lift up before you Louise and Peter and all those with whom we have missionary links, both here in this country, in this town and further afield. Father God, support and encourage them, we pray, as you support and encourage us. In the way that we try to live our life day by day, Living for you, Lord, we pray that you will help them to live for you, particularly as we seek to be a hope and bring light into the lives of those around us. And Lord, we thank you for the words that we can proclaim from the Lord's Prayer, that our Father, you are in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, both on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you that you give us this day our daily bread and we ask for you for, to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Help us, Lord, not to be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And as our sec next song reminds us, Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus.
I don't think I need to remind you of our notice sheet and all that goes on this week. It's been great to have you with us this evening and we look forward to welcoming you either at a Wednesday lunchtime service or on our Sunday morning service, both in the building as well as continuing on Sunday morning online too. Wednesdays is only an in-person service. We continue with our other activities that you can find on the notice sheet and can I just encourage you to, to look and to make sure that you engage with what you're able to this week. We thank you too for all those who give week by week, month by month. You give sacrificially, wholeheartedly and with joy. And as we come before God now, we want to thank him that we can be cheerful in our giving. Let us pray. Father God, as we've been thinking tonight about the hope that comes from you, we thank you that we can Give hope to others because of what we are able to give. Father God, in our giving, we pray that, Lord, we will be cheerful and that, Lord, you will use it, not just in this place, but further afield. And that, Lord, lives will indeed be transformed as hope is brought because of you. Bless us, Lord, and our giving, we pray. Amen. Our reading tonight is from Proverbs chapter 9 and it's verses 1 to 18, the whole of chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city, 
Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. And she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their path. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. As Ian comes to bring what God has laid on his heart for that passage, we sing once more, Speak, O Lord. Choices. Have you ever been double booked? Have you ever had that time when two invitations come for something to take place at the same time and you have to choose between them? How do you decide which one to accept? Perhaps it comes down to who the invitations were from or what the invitation is for. Maybe it's about where the finest food will be served or the most interesting or influential people will be attending or which, has the best, it's which will be the best place to be seen. As we come to the concluding part of the first main section of the book of Proverbs, it closes with two invitations to dinner, like no other, from a hostess like no other, with an outcome like no other, which will we choose? Choices. We are surrounded by choices. And a second question, who or what do you trust to give you the most reliable advice? Maybe it's family members or friends, colleagues, politicians, teachers, magazines, church leaders, doctors, newsreaders, social medias. But it's all about choices, where we go for us to make the choices. And the thrust of Proverbs 1 to 9 is when God is at the centre of our lives, we don't lose out, but we are called to be full and fruitful existence. It's not dry and sterile life where we're invited into, with this woman, wisdom that we read about. It's rich and blessed like any other, unlike any other offer we'll ever received. And it's not a life which removes us from what, the world, but one which calls us to live in the world as those who fear the Lord, wherever he has placed us. Proverbs 1 to 9 instructs its readers about the nature of wisdom with the benefits it brings, providing a lens through which later chapters are to be understood. 
Let me tell you about Sean. Sean had been a police officer for 10 years, but a Christian less than one. Young in his faith as he was, Sean wanted God's wisdom to live and work well. Sitting in the passenger seat, blue lights flashing and sirens blazing, he and a colleague were heading towards one of the hardest situations police have to deal with, a domestic violence incident. Another, a number of impacting factors were also to play in this one. The assailant was physically strong. He was in a familiar territory. He had access to weapons and a history of using them. Containing this combustible cocktail would require a sharp mind, a steady heart, as the response vehicle weaved through the tra traffic. Sean prayed for wisdom and for peace. As he prayed, uh, the element of fear lifted from him. He felt a peaceful confidence as the Holy Spirit reminded him that he was there for a reason and that God's plan was that he, he was in this place at this time. When they arrived, both the victim and the perpetrator were still in the house, with the latter clearly in no mood for a coop to cooperate or have a good conversation. What would you have done? It was in this very flesh and blood, bricks and mortar moment that both the wisdom Sean had been growing in, as well as the wisdom that God gives on the hoof, were brought together to bear. Within the force, respect can be earned by making a difficult arrest. The attempt in that may have been led to a moment of personal glory. It could equally have led to serious injuries to Sean and his colleague, or one or both of this couple as well. In a moment of clarity, Sean felt that he was able to make a decision that he normally would not have made alone. With the agreement of his colleague, they decided to withdraw the victim from the scene and guarantee her immediate safety and return later to arrest the culprit. The prospect of gaining kudos does not cloud his duty to protect. Some hours later, other colleagues appropriately prepared returned to arrest the offender who by that time was much calmer state of mind. When interviewed back at the station, he explained that during the time when Sean was at the scene, he was ready to do whatever it would have taken to get away. Wisdom ways are pleasant ways. Our paths are peace. Proverbs 3, 17. And so... A way of wisdom. By way or path, it is not about one singular choice, but a lifetime of decisions and choices. Are you heading down one path or another? The way of wisdom begins with a relationship with God. Let's look more closely at the first four verses of Proverbs chapter 9. 
Wisdom has built her house. She has set it up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her tables. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. Here we find Lady Wisdom, a metaphor for God, calling out for anyone who is simple to come and eat with her. In this culture, for a woman to be inviting to a man, a man to dinner was not like grabbing a bite to eat at Greg's. No, this was more like a candlelight dinner with steak. Meat was rare because meat was expensive and hard to store. No refrigeration. Wisdom is inviting the man to enter into an intimate relationship with her. A house may also be built at the high point of the city. If you think back to the author Solomon, you realise that he was writing this from Jerusalem, where the high point in Jerusalem is the Temple Mount, where God's presence dwells. God is inviting simple people to come to his temple and to enter a relationship with him and let him grow them and give them wisdom. God invites us to seek him. Just like Proverbs 1 Verse 7 opened us, opened by calling us to fear the Lord. Chapter 9 closes in the same way. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So when often we think about wisdom, we think of it as a set of facts and knowledge we can acquire to improve our lives. That part of what wisdom is, is the skill of living. The skill of living with God in the centre, as we saw a fortnight ago when we were looking at the fear of God, having God at the core but that's not all it is. Is wisdom is, a, is not just a what, but a who. Wisdom is not a thing, but a person. Jesus is that wisdom. Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. If you want to get wise, get to know Jesus. If you want to get wise, get real with God. Go deeper in your relationship with him. God wants us to seek him. Imagine you're on that television programme. Who wants to be a millionaire? And you decide to use your lifeline. The presenter calls your best friend who is waiting for your phone call and you read the question and your friend pauses and says, that's a great question. I have no idea. Hope it goes well. Or what if they don't even pick up? And that was your lifeline. 
Our lifeline to God is not like that, our Heavenly Father. God, our Heavenly Father, he will never not pick up or never not know the answer. God will always know the answer. God always knows the direction. God always is there. We can call on him day and night when times are good and when times are bad. And no matter what, he'll pick up. We can call on Jesus through prayer at any time. Maybe right now you find yourself in a position where you have to make a big decision and you're thinking, I don't know which way to go. Well, you can call on the old lifeline, God, right now. And he will answer. He will answer. Whenever we need to make a decision, we can come to God for his wisdom and guidance. Maybe so often we have made decisions without coming to God first and wished we had come back to God and found a different answer. The number of times, if you, maybe you've said this, I know I have, if I knew then what I know now, I would never have made that decision. The great thing is, you see, God always answers. He speaks to us through his word, the Bible, as we read it, as we hear it preached, and he speaks through us, to us through his Holy Spirit, applying God's word to our lives. Jesus describes as the, ho the Holy Spirit as the breath of God that leads us into all truth. To be honest, God doesn't always give us the answers we want. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says maybe, at other times he says wait. But God always gives us the right answer. The way of wisdom, the way to become a wise person, begins with a relationship with God. And here... In Acts 9, you are invited to a meal with Lady Wisdom to eat the finest things and to enter a relationship. But the way of wisdom also displays the characteristics of God. Wisdom is one of God's characters. To be wise, then, is to reflect God's character. How often do we see God in our sisters and brothers in Christ as they live wise lives? And so developing wisdom helps us to reflect the character of God. Wisdom. In verse 1, we see here that wisdom is creative and works hard. God is creative and works hard. God is the creator of heaven and earth. We saw that in our series on creation in the autumn. And God never stops caring for us. Wisdom is creative and works hard. If we want to show this character of God, let's get working hard. 
and let's be creative. Second thing we see through here is wisdom is generous. She's offering food and wine. God is generous. To show this character of God, we need to show the generosity of God to those we meet. And thirdly, in verses 7 to 9, wisdom is teachable. The wise learn from her. One of the phrases that we often forget about Jesus when we think of him or knowing him or being is that phrase which we read that Jesus grew in wisdom. As a human being, he grew in wisdom. And so as we grow in our relationship with God, as we grow allowing God to be the sovereign of our relationship, we too will display his creativity, his work ethic, his generosity, his wisdom. And a relationship with him leads to eternal life. Verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understandable. Through, through wisdom, your days will be many, your years will be added to your life. second part of this chapter that I'm going to not spend so long on is the opposite, the relationship of folly. You see, folly in this is the unruly woman. She is simple and she knows nothing. Longmans translates this in this way. Woman's folly is boisterous. She is simple-minded, simple but does not even know it. The problem with foolish men and women, boys and girls, is that they often don't know they are foolish and aren't humble enough to take correction. Lady folly is the complete opposite of lady wisdom. Maybe right now you're thinking of people you think unwise, unwilling to take correction, don't know how silly they're looking. They may even sort of boast about their stupidity or their rebellion. As you go down in this chapter 9 of the Proverbs, you read that folly is naive. Lady folly, folly is naive. She knows nothing. Verse 13. Folly is an unruly word, woman. She is simple and knows nothing. In verse 14, we see the opposite again of Lady Wisdom, who knows things, is teachable, because in verse 14 we see these words. She sits at the door of her house on the seat of the highest point of the city. She is lazy. And in verse 17, we see that she is greedy and deceptive. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. And as we talked about Lady Wisdom in the relationship with Lady Wisdom, the relationship with God, who in this chapter is symbolised symbolized by lady wisdom following lady folly 
We know the outcome of that. It's the pits of hell. Verse 18. But little do they know that they are de the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of death. If you choose the life of foolishness and live to satisfy yourself, it's like going to dine in the morgue. You are surrounded by the dead. The way of folly leads to death. In the book of Proverbs, we see the New Testament choice of following Jesus or not being ruled out, laid out before us. And the choices are the same, life or death. So maybe you're someone who doesn't want to choose the way of folly. But neither do you want to choose the way of wisdom. You don't want to be in the relationship with God, but you're no fool. Well, you see, you have to choose. You do have to choose. And you need to choose him today and tomorrow and the next day. And the next. The Old Testament is full of the people of Israel choosing God's way one day and their own way again the next. Over and over again when God's people chose the way of wisdom or the way of folly, they would end up choosing the way of folly. They chose to wander. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David all represent the way of wisdom and their lives were messed up. Why? Because we read the reasons back in Proverbs 4, chapter 20, verse 23. Above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. So what we do shows the behaviour of our hearts. Our behaviour displays what's really true on the inside. What is true in all that human beings, even the best human beings, have a tendency to go towards folly. We're all professionals at getting it wrong. We love it. We like it. It's fun. And that's why God himself had to walk the way of wisdom for us. God entered into this world through Christ Jesus, through wisdom embodied and walked down that path of wisdom, never swerving to the right or to the left. When our peace, when we place our faith in him through repentance and belief, he grants us his track record. He gives us his wisdom. And he takes the consequence for our folly. Through the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. It cost Jesus his life to rescue us from the way of folly. But he rose from the grave and he now rescues us, any who believes. Although at times we will stumble and fall back towards the way of folly, we are forever forgiven and forever secure in Christ. And through Christ we can begin to walk the right way. We can now begin to show the fruit of a holy 
and wise life. And so, today we have a choice to make. The choice of following the way of wisdom or the way of folly. A correct choice or a wrong choice. This is a true story and this story is from the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire American version. The question is the winning question, but to get it wrong would mean to lose so much, but to get it right would be victory. And the contestant is coming to the final question, the one that takes the 500,000 to the 1 million, and he's asked the question by the host, and he phones his lifeline. Let me let you see the video that shows what happened. This is taxman John Carpenter looking terribly pleased with himself. Which of these US presidents appeared on the television series Laugh-In? Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford. Um, <laughs> I like the call my parents right now. Sure. Use my lifeline, call my parents. What are their names? Uh, um, my father. I'll talk to my father. Uh, hi, Dad. Hi. Uh, I don't really need your help, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. <laughs> Uh, because the U.S. president appeared on Laughing is Richard Nixon. That's my final answer. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. Here it is, my man. Why did I show you that? Well, get wisdom right, make the correct choice, choose God, and you can ring up whoever you like and say with total certainty, I have won, I have got the victory, I have got the God prize, I am going to reign with Christ, I am saved. Your choice between following Lady Wisdom or the following Lady Folly gives you the outcome of the, death, of the prize that God has given you. People may laugh at you when you say confidently, I have the victory, but you are 100% sure, all because you dined with Lady Wisdom. God invites you to a banquet with Lady Wisdom. The meat is ready, the wine is poured. All you need to do is choose this invitation. Yes, there's another invitation. An invitation on the outside may seem much more fun, but it leads to destruction. You have a choice to make, and I invite you I invite you.
to make that decision tonight. As we come towards the end of the service, we're going to pray after we hear the words of this song, holy words, ever true, changing me and changing you. And maybe as you hear these words, you'll pray that you will accept the banquet that God has planned for you with Lady Wisdom. Listen to these words. Let us pray. Lord, you invite us to a meal, to a banquet, 